This particular series that we're in right now that we're starting is called The Nation. The Nation. Did I get it right? The Nation. The Nation. We're going to, talk about, we're going to be talking about nation building. We're going to be talking from the kingdom point of view, obviously. We're going to talk about what we're called to, what we're called to build, what it should look like. And some of it, if you've never heard this before, it won't be the last time you've heard it as we're talking about the kingdom. My title today is Life in the Kingdom. Life in the in the kingdom, life in the kingdom, life in the kingdom. We want to talk about that today and introduce some concepts to many of you and some of you watching us online. Again, thank you so much for trusting us with the word of God and sharing into your heart and into your life. Was worship amazing this morning? Praise God. Amen. Genesis, I want you to go to Genesis 12. It's an important scripture because it starts the foundation for what's in my heart. And you can write there at the top, life in the kingdom, but you can put God promises a nation. God promises a nation. God's desire is a nation. God's heart is a nation. The power of God, the whole plan of God is to build a nation. It's all he thinks about all the time. He's not always thinking about you as an individual because you as an individual have no power on your own. You only have power when you're with other people who believe like you do, worship what you worship, has the same under, underpinnings, and live practically the same life. That's what builds a safe life for you. In other words, Nehemiah said, you need to come out of your house and build the wall in front of your house. Because without this wall, you don't have a house. Without this culture, without this nation, you don't have a house. You can't protect it yourself. You have to be with others who are doing the same thing. Am I making sense? Good. I'm glad, so glad to see your head down taking notes. That's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Genesis 12, Genesis 12, 1 and 2, you, you could probably quote it, but we'll read it. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will make of one man a great nation. The object of God, when he called Abraham out from his father Terah, was to make a nation out of one man. This has always been the idea of God, to have a nation. Then he said, and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So out of this nation, this nation would be great, it would be powerful, and this nation would be a blessing. Write this down. Nation is the reason God called Adam, I mean called Abraham. Nation is the reason God called Abraham. Nation is also the reason you got saved. Just nobody told you. You thought you were getting saved so you wouldn't have to go to hell. But you're still here. So if avoiding hell wasn't the answer for your salvation... Why is your rusty tail still here? <laughs> what are we doing? Why are you still on the planet? Why are you still waking up every morning? God says to Abraham, I want you to leave because it's going to be a great nation. Now, now write this down. God still wants a nation. He still wants a nation. Now, it's mentioned several, several places in the Bible, but 1 Peter 2 and 9, because it's New Testament, because some people say, well, that's Old Testament stuff. Like God is Old Testament and he's New Testament. No, he's just God, right? <laughs> he's just God. He doesn't get stuck. You can't put him nowhere and tell him where to move and not to move. He not like your daddy. So watch what Peter says in the New Testament. Okay, after Peter says words like this, Peter says, uh, the stone that the builders has rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This Jesus you rejected is now the cornerstone and he has given his life to do one thing, he says. And this is the one thing Jesus did, according to, according to Peter. He said, but you are a 
Read it. You are a chosen generation. You are a, a holy nation. Keep reading. His, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of ignorance into knowledge, out of darkness into the knowledge or the understanding of his amazing kingdom. He called you out of that ignorant place into the knowledge of who he is. Stick with me. I'm getting there. Okay. This is the amazing thing about him. Let's talk about the names God gives his nation. What are they? Just in this scripture. Chosen. Chosen. You were picked out for this. When you got saved, it wasn't because you were desperate. You got saved because God put you in a situation to be desperate. That doesn't make sense. Let me say it again. I was looking for God. No. He put you in a situation where you had to look for him. I found the Lord. No. <laughs> He put you in a position so you would finally realize you were lost. And then when you cried out to him, he came into your life. He came after you. So he chose you. Man, 1 Corinthians 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you so that you could go and do good works. So everybody, all of us who are saved, and those of us who are going to get saved before this day is over, and those of you who don't even want to be saved, God is choosing you. He's reaching for you. He's bringing you in, and he will get you. Come easy, come hard. <laughs> come easy, come hard. He's going to get you. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. So... He calls us a chosen generation. He calls us a royal priesthood that doesn't even match. Now, I would urge you, oh, I'm going to do it. I would urge you for the next month, turn off Facebook. Turn off Instagram. Or don't, don't surf, creep, look, uh, these people are crazy, I'm telling you. And, and anything you tapped on that's weird, they're going to send you more of that. Turn that off. Because Jesus called you church and state. That don't make no sense to you. Every government on the planet right now is trying to make a difference between church and state. The separation of church and state but you are a kingdom citizen you are both okay I didn't call you both well, I don't agree with that don't be silly it's right here he says that you are royal king church you are royal you are royal you're in legislation and your priesthood you are both you can't separate church and state from a kingdom citizen. Okay, well, what does this have to do with me? Look, this is what it has to do with you. When you will fight for five months to vote, you will take two days off to vote. You will fuss about voting and who people voting for you do that because you don't believe you have any political power. People who do not look to any government for anything don't care who wins. If you care who wins, you ain't a citizen yet. I don't need another mayor. I don't need another government. I don't even need a president. All I need is the power of the Holy Ghost. That's too early. 
So what is a nation? A, na a nation is a nation is a body of people in a particular location with a distinct government. A nation is simply a body of people in a particular geographical or spiritual space living under one government. And what God wanted was a people all over the world living under one government with a king at the head of that government leading the whole nation. Jesus being the king of the nation. That's the thought process of God. Nation building, living under the same rules, living under the same constitution, living under the same beliefs. That's what God wanted. Am I making sense at all? I believe I am. Hang in there for a minute. So now, here's the purpose of Jesus. I, I just said a nation, what is a nation? I just said that a nation is a body of people in a particular location with a distinct government. We have a distinct government called the kingdom of God. It is a distinct government. And because uh, you, you need to go back and maybe listen to some uh, Elder Eddie stuff. Our government is real and it's more real than the chair you're sitting in. It is a true, substantial government that rules everything. But if you don't know that, understand that, you will think the world you're living in and touching and feeling and smelling really rules your life. It does not. So here's what Jesus brings. You got to understand him. Jesus came to die for your sins. And... Well, I don't know, the guy told me at my door at the dorm. How are you doing, Martin? You know I've been chasing you for a long time. You, your father was a preacher. You need to get saved. Jesus died for your sins. And finally I said, I know. What else? Did he die for anything else except my sins? Is there anything else in this deal? He said, come on, Martin, you know the Bible. I said, I don't want to know the Bible. I want you to talk to me about this Jesus. Because if you're not introducing me to somebody who can do more than save me from my sins, this is not what I'm trying to do. There's got to be something else to this. I was searching, y'all. And if, if, you, if you're witnessing as a, as a Christian, they're supposed to be mad at you and mean because they don't know either. I didn't know. I didn't know. But here's why Jesus died. This is why he came. Isaiah 9, 6. Stop reading this at, scripture, at Christmas. It's not a Christmas scripture. <laughs> Read it. For unto us a child is born, and, un and unto us a son is given, and what? And a... What's on his shoulders? What's on his shoulders? A government to lead a nation. Salvation is not on his shoulder. You might not hear this anywhere else. But before you get mad, read your Bible. Read your Bible now. Read your Bible. I'm trying to help you help yourself. Jesus died for my sins. Why? Why did he die for your sins? Pastor Josh said a few months ago, he died for your sins because your sins were in the way. He died for your sins because they were blocking, they were interloafing, they were confusing, they were, they were the thing between you and him. Y'all know what I did years ago, years, say years ago, it was so ignorant, but years ago I was traveling, forget what, uh, what, what nation it was, but they spoke Spanish there, Nicaragua, somewhere, we were traveling, teaching the kingdom. <clears throat> and I went into the bathroom to take a shower, hot, humid. So I'm taking a shower, I get out of the shower, and I say to my wife, this is amazing soap. I didn't feel anything, I don't feel squeaky, I don't, I don't necessarily feel clean, and I don't smell it at all. And she's like, that's really interesting. So she went in the bathroom to take her shower. She starts laughing. I'm like, what happened? She said, you were so simple. She said, there's plastic on the soap. <laughs> I said, you're kidding me. She said, all you have to do is turn it over. There's a little crease right there. I'd never seen plastic, you know. So I had to take another shower. 
And some of y'all need to take another, you need to come to the altar again. You, you did not understand what this was all about. Hey, can I ask you something? You didn't know that little piece of plastic between the soap is why God couldn't do anything with your life. That little bitty barrier, your sin, he, he could not touch you because he's holy. And you need to take another bath. Tell your neighbor, not your spouse, because they might get offended. But just tell your neighbor, you need to take another shower. <laughs> One more shower will not hurt you at all. I had to take that plastic off. <laughs> After the third day, I did say to my wife, I said, you know, it's going to be important to our marriage that you let that go. We have not been married that long. I still got some issues and, you know, we have to deal with that. She said, okay. The next time we were eating with our friends, it was Nicaragua. The next time we were eating with our friends, she told them. She said, Martin, let me tell you what Martin did in the shower. That's too funny. Okay, so, so, so here we go. Because people don't understand who Jesus is and what he does, they never get to understand themselves. And that's why everybody needs to be a member of AWC. Because the anointing on this house is not just to get you saved. It's to get the sin out of your life so you can be confronted with a God who's king that gave birth to you and will show you why you're here. I'm learning, though, that everybody doesn't want to know why they're here. It's so much easier to be a Christian with nothing to do. <laughs> no callings, no challenge. How many, how many, okay, how many of you know you expect, okay, let me just ask. You expected to get saved and everything was going to be beautiful. You were like, once I get saved, it's going to be a great life. You were expecting that, right? And then you got saved and you went home and you found out somebody else was in your house. Jesus came to your house and everything you thought you liked, he started kicking stuff out, turning tables over, moving walls back and said, no, don't do that. Get rid of that. No, you got to do that. And you're like, I, if I had known, if I had known, that this is what getting saved meant? I would have stayed where I was. Do it. I got to give up that? Why? It's not a sin. Well, it's a sin to you. Because that little thing is going to keep you from your calling. It won't keep her from her calling, but where you're going, you can't have that picture on the internet. There's just some things you can't do. Why? God, I don't understand. How you let him get away with that? You don't let me get away with that, Martin, because he ain't going nowhere. I ain't planning to use him for nothing at 60. I'm not planning to put her in leadership. I'm not planning for her to marry a dope man and have three amazing kids. That's not what I'm doing with her. So I'm going to mess you up. I'm going to be in your face. I'm going to be showing you how to live. Somebody say yes. Bring it on, God. Bring it on. That, that's what the kingdom does. Okay, so now, I got my time. See, when you don't understand this, Joshua, Callie, Kylan, Rebecca, I'm calling names of people who were born and sort of raised in this that they understand the nation that we're building and that our place in the world is significant. And if we let go of the gospel plow, who's going to plow that row? Because right now everybody's just interested in you being on their app. They don't care if you come to church. They don't care who you become. While 
the world we should be training people to take over is going to hell in a handbasket. If you don't understand this, you start getting weird. Can I tell you three places where they got weird? Adam. Adam. And God made man in his own image and in his own likeness, and he gave him dominion over the fish, the birds, and the air, and all that stuff. Gave him all that stuff. And uh, a few, a few, uh, one chapter later, Adam gave it away. He gave away his own dominion because he didn't understand. And we're giving away our own dominion now because we don't understand. Then what happened in, in, in Ara, numbers, uh, uh, about Numbers 13 at Kadesh Barni, it took, it took God four, it took, it took it took God 2,000 years to bring them here. God says, come out of Egypt. Moses, go out there, get my people, bring them out of Egypt. What you want me to do with them, God? I want you to bring them back to where you saw me. Bring, bring them to the mountain so I can talk to them. You want to talk to all of them? Yes. God says, because in my first plan, I wanted all of them to be in the nation. I want all of them to be kings and priests. Okay, y'all don't want to deal with this. You don't want to deal with this. I want them all to be kings. I want everybody to have more money than they need. I, 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 want, I, want, I want priests. I want everybody to be able to lead their home spiritually. I don't want a man over them. I'm going to be their God. I'm going to be their king. He says, I'm going to be. And, and, and so, so he says, I want you to bring them back to this mountain where you saw me. Moses walks with him. Don't want to tell that story. He walks with him to the mountain so they could come see God. Then he says these words, <clears throat> y'all take a bath. Put on some clean clothes because tomorrow y'all got a meeting with God. They said, God? He said, yeah. El Elyon is showing up on this mountain and he's going to anoint all of you to be kings and priests. God showed up the next morning and the mountain started shaking. Fire start coming down off this mountain. Lightning came down on the mountain. And they said, why did God do that? God never goes anywhere without making noise. You keep trying to hide at that office. <laughs> you, 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 keep trying to, you keep trying to hide. You don't, no, I, no, I don't want to. And now people are like, what you think? Why don't you take care of this? You're like, oh, I don't know. You, everywhere God goes in you, he's getting ready to do something. And this is what they did. Let me tell you the story. And this is what they did. They got to the mountain. God started shaking the mountain. And they said this to Moses. Uh, uh, God is scary. We don't want to talk to him. I tell you what, you, you go talk to him and you come back and you talk to us. Moses says, no, that's not the plan. The, the, the plan is for you and me, all of us. We need to be able to hear from God for ourselves. Why would you, okay, mm -mm. why would you give your responsibility to a man you don't know living in a building that's painted white? You don't know if he loves his wife. You don't know if he tithes. You don't know if he has a good heart. Oh, y'all mad at me? Y'all know I don't care. But, 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 but why would you submit to an earthly government led by imperfect people? No, I didn't say don't pray. I pray. I don't say don't vote. I vote. But I never believe. Oh, you got to be kidding me. It, okay, write this question down. Are you ready? And then I'll move on. You kingdom citizen, you. <laughs> write this down. When has that ever worked out for you long term? Any of you. Why do we do it? They say, we don't want to talk. We don't want to talk to God. You go talk to him. You come tell us what he said. Let me tell you the most dangerous place you can be in your life yeah. is when all you believe is what your man or woman of God says. <laughs> you don't have no...
no prayer life. You're not reading your own Bible. And I stand up here and say something jacked up. My pastor said it. I believe it. Hmm. Let's see if that'll stand up in the court of law of heaven. Lord, I'm telling you, my pastor Martin said it. And God said, well, he got it wrong. God, did that get me off because he said it? No. You got to stand before the judgment seat on your own. Your job is to have a poisonal relationship with the Father. Y'all with me yet? Ask your neighbor, are you mad yet? Oh, he coming. So here, here's what happened in, in 1 Samuel then. This is the third time. It breaks my heart. If you've never heard me talk about it, I'm not going to stay here long because I don't have long to talk about it, but I want to show it to you. First, first Samuel 8 and 4. It's crazy. It's crazy. Third time, crazy time. They're coming to Samuel. They want a king. And Samuel is like, you, we's a nation. Jesus is king. God, God is king of us. So listen to what they say. Now here's why then. Listen, listen to this. Listen to this. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you're old. You get ready to die. <laughs> so nice. And your sons, they don't live like you. Oh, I'm sorry. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Your children, not, they're not going to lead us right. Now make us a king. To judge us like all the other nations. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel went and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you. Read what he says. But they have rejected me that I should not. It's not you they're rejecting. They don't want me to be king. They don't want me to be king of their life. They want to choose a man. They want to, okay, uh, let me read it to you so you can get mad at God. Why did they want a king? They tell you right here. Okay, so let Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, read it. No. <laughs> no. We go have a king. Do you know why we want a king? We want a king. We want a king so we can be like the other nations. Now, I just call you peculiar. <laughs> I just call you my special people. I just call you my royalty. The last thing, tell your neighbor, the last thing God wants for you is for you to be like everybody else. How is we going to tell there's a God that's real if you're not living different from your neighbor? How are we going to tell that God is real in your life? How are we going to tell he's real? We got to have somebody say, well, you know, God did that. God did that for me and my family. That's a nice, yep, God did that for us. Have y'all been married so long? How you been married? God did that. I'm no good, she's no good. But us together with God, God made something happen. How are we going to be able to tell that God is good if he can't be good to you? Wave your hand if it'd be okay with you, if God was just good to you. Would you apologize for it if he was good to you? Lift your hand in the air and wave it like it just... Uh, and that's what you need to do. You need to lift your hand in the air everywhere you go and say, God's been good to me. Don't care what anybody thinks about it. Don't care how they feel about it. I'm a dummy from Monticello, Mississippi. But God has been good to me. Not embarrassed. I have no excuses. I'm just saying he's good. Okay, so watch this. They want to be a king. Why? They listed. They list them. They say, we will have a king over us. Over us. You're not supposed to have a king over you. Why? Number one, they wanted a king to be over them so they could be like other nations. 
They wanted to throw in their nationhood and give it away to everyone. Now, when you go over there, Martin, now watch this. Now, people, people get weird, and they start reading the Bible all funky. And they say, don't let your men marry those women. Don't give your girls to those men. And here on earth, dumb, stupid, ignorant people start breaking it down in a way that don't even make sense. Oh, you mean they can't, they can't get married because of that? That's the only little thing? Yeah, don't do that. This is what God is saying here. Don't marry unbelievers. Don't, don't marry people who you're going to be fighting over serving God. He is cute, honey. He don't love God. You know, cute men turn ugly when their women start worshiping. Y'all don't want to get me here. I grew up in a church led by women. And their men were mad as hell at home. Some of them had to get a beating once they left church and went home. Girl, if he, I don't, I, I, he's shy. Look, if you don't ever see him lift his hands, if you don't ever hear him pray, well, you know, he, I lead in prayer. Okay, I'm, I'm getting stuck, so I got to get this out. If he can't teach you how to do anything spiritual, if he can't teach you either how to read the Bible, pray, if he don't ever say, sugar, have faith. If he don't do none of that, you're going to get married to him because he's a worrier. He will worry if he don't know how to pray. He will freak out when things happen. He won't stick with you in tough times because he has not learned how to depend on God. I got stuck. He wanted number two. We want to be like them. Number two, we want someone to judge us. Write down, judge us. Jesus. Judge us means we need somebody to tell us what to do. Tell us what to, just tell me what to do. Tell, tell me what to do. Whatever you tell me, I'll do it. I don't, I, don't, I, don't want any, I don't want any responsibility for my own life. I, I don't want to have to decide anything. I don't want to have to use my own judgment. I don't want to know what's right for me. Just tell me. Tell me what I should believe. Tell me how I should think. Tell me where to live. I was told by a guy who, a guy who, a guy who became a trillionaire in the last, a tri, tri, with a T. Break that down for me. How many, how many million is a trillion? That's a trillion, trillionaire. I don't know. He said these words with brazen honesty. In the future, you will make no decisions and you will love it. Some of y'all know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to tell you who. In the near future, you will have to make no decisions. They will all be made for you and you will love it. You're going to be able, your phone is going to tell you it's time to order some more toilet tissue. Your phone's going to tell you when the oil needs to be changed. Somebody will pick up your car, change the oil. You will never have to leave your house and you're going to love it. What he's saying is, please give me more of your dominion. <laughs> I, I, I make 10 million a day. I want to get that up to 100 million a day. So the more power you give me, the more money I make. The more decisions you let me make for you, the more powerful I'll become. So they wanted someone, judge us. 
Tell us what to do. If you're like that right now, I just like it when people just take care of me and tell me what to do, and I just do it. <laughs> uh-uh. The third reason they, we need somebody to represent us, go in front of us. In other words, they're saying, I want to give my voice away. I don't want to have a voice. And lastly, they're saying, fight for us. I need someone to fight my battles for me. And God is saying in all this, why do you want a king? An earthly king. And now that you think, you think I'm political, I'll just tell you the story. Because right after this, God said, okay, go tell them. If they want a king, I'll give them one. But I want to tell them what this king's going to do. And it's the same thing, the kings of the earth. By the way, we have no king of our country. And, and if you ever can go with me to Swaziland, I can show you what a real kingdom is like. The United States is a republic. He said, this king's going to take your land. He's going to take your money. He's going to tell you what to do. He will take your strong men and put them in his army to fight his wars. He's going to take your beautiful daughters and build a system where they can molest them without paying a price. I can't. And be quiet, please. So, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't get into all that. But ladies and gentlemen, no matter what country you're in and listen to me from, that's what's really happening in our world right now. And the church is being used to say, that's what we need to be doing. Y'all, okay. The church. The church is saying, that's our representative. That's what we're supposed to do. Either party. Either party. Either party. The church on both sides. is saying we need to do that because he said we need to. And he said we need to. And they need to say that. And I'm like, hey, Martin, can you come over here? No. I can't come over there. I can't come over there. I can't. I don't ride donkeys. And I don't walk around with elephants. I serve the lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And there is not a kingdom on earth that can do more than King Jesus. I love calling that name Jesus. When I call Jesus, I'm calling on the king of my country who brings with him warring angels, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who preserves my soul and heals my body, who protects my children, my grandchildren, and my great-great-great-grandchildren in their future. He is not a man that he should lie. There is no jealousy in him. There is no hatred in him. There is no prejudice in him. And people are like, well, I don't know what to do with that. Get saved. Come to Jesus. When I call him, when I call on the name of Jesus, I get instant answers to my prayers. I'm calling to a king who knows everything about me, who created me, and knows what's in my future. I am never desperate. I am never afraid. I, am, I might get confused sometimes. Let me, let, me tell you, let me tell you this, let me tell you this, and then I'm going to move on. Sometimes I do get confused, and I'll be talking to my wife. I'll be talking to my wife, and I'm like, you know, I just, I, I know that's happening, and this is happening, and that's this just a lot going on, Lenny. It's everywhere. She says, but is Jesus still on the throne? 
all of a sudden I get shaken out of my stupor and out of my confusion. No matter what is happening in your life, Jesus is on the throne of it. Okay, sit. Let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. So this is what bothers Jesus. This is what bothers Jesus. Matthew 9, 35. Y'all sit with me. Y'all okay? Y'all okay? Tell somebody, don't be mad at him now. Don't be mad at him. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among them. Then this is what happened. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary. They were tired. They were tired and they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Therefore, this is your prayer. Your prayer is to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Your prayer, should, your prayer should be, God, send the right laborers into the people harvest. Don't send a pota potato harvester among humans. Don't send a wheat harvester among human beings. Send the right people with the right information to go to the folks because teaching and preaching is not enough. Because people are weary and scattered even under teaching. Stick with me. Stick with me, please. Teaching and preaching is not enough. People are still weary. There's no one to lead the way. We need wise harvesters. Ambassador's Worship Center was planted to harvest human beings. To bring people out of the world that has them confused and scattered and get them settled on loving God and being called of him. Destiny purposed, moving into the areas of God that he wanted to do. And now later on in verse 5, this is an amazing thing. He sent the 12. He sent the 12 out and he commanded them saying, don't go to the way of the Gentiles, but go to the city. Don't go to Samaria, but go to the lost sheep of Israel. And when you get there, preach and say to them, the kingdom of heaven has come. He did not go to them and say, get saved. He said, go to them and tell them the kingdom has come. This government, this rulership, this power from heaven that you can live under and be empowered by has come. Tell them that. Then once you tell them that, then heal them. Deliver them, cast out demons, cleanse the leper. Because once the kingdom comes into your house, cancer can't live there. Confusion can't live there. So he said, heal them. So now, what is the kingdom of God? I'm getting somewhere. What is the kingdom of God? Listen to me. The kingdom of God is really a government that is a culture. It's a culture in which to discover yourself, develop yourself, and deploy yourself. It is a culture in which you really find you. Here it is. Here it is. The kingdom of God and AWC is here for this rare and unique calling. It is here so that you can find out who you are. It's here so that you can become who you are because finding out who you are is not enough. You need to become that. And everybody can't stand the pressure of becoming. Because becoming is pressure. And we would rather lift our hands and say, Jesus is coming back. But your rusty tail is still here. Not rusty tail. Not rusty. I shouldn't say. You are still here. <laughs> you are still here. So that's it. And thirdly, if you can now find out who you are and become who you are, now instead of going through life trying to get something from people, trying to get a job, trying to get some money, trying to make your business work, trying to make everything work, you stop doing all that once you discover who you are and you simply offer yourself to the world. I'm a gift to the world. Did you know you were a gift to the world? 
Now, nothing, nothing can relegate your gift to uselessness if somebody don't want it. They ain't got nothing to do with you. If you don't see me as a gift, that's fine with me. I'll wrap myself back up and give myself to somebody else. I'm not going to say that. I'm really not going to say that. Okay, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Someone says to you, uh, you're really not a gift to me. You're really not a gift to me. Don't say anything. Let them keep talking. You're really not a gift to me, Pastor Martin. Just, just the years I spent with you, they were just so, they were so, just, I just need to take a break. I need to take a break from you. I need to take a break from AWC. I need to, I said, I so understand that. I want one too. <laughs> if you can get one, get it. <laughs> but just let them keep talking. But it is, it is interesting though, Pastor Martin. When I came, you remember me when I came. <laughs> I said, no, I don't remember. Because I never see anybody the way they come or go. That's my gift. My gift is I see you as God sees you now. I don't care if you come in here from underneath the bridge. I don't see. I see every human as a human. And I see them as royalty. It makes no difference to me. But you tell me how you were. Pastor, you know I was broke. You know I was, you know, you know what I, you know I was taking the stuff. You, you, you knew I had just come out of jail. You knew all that. Now look at me. I, you know, I, Pastor, I, I, met my, you know, I met my wife, my husband here. I mean, we started our business here. So now they're telling me I'm not a gift. They're telling me they got to get away from AWC. When AWC built them. The culture here, not me, the culture. You can't hang out. You talking about me? Some of our people sitting in that purple chair, they gangsters. They will come up to you and say, what you doing? We don't do that. Wash your car. I mean, how you, well, it's an old car. What they got to do with it? Wash your car. You need a haircut. Why are you looking like that? Girl, you got a slip on. That's what we do. I don't do it. They do it. We all do it. How you doing? Where are the kids? We haven't seen them. Well, my daughter's in some trouble. Bring her to church. She don't want to come. Bring her. I'll come get her. Bring her up in here. Well, if anybody talk about her, I'm going to bust them in the mouth. <laughs> you having problems in your marriage? Come to church. Come to church. Well, I don't want to go to church. People, not at AWC. Everybody at AWC been in some marriage trouble. Even our pastor been in some marriage trouble. We got people who've been divorced and got back together. We're not ashamed of family problems up in our church. And you have helped people that may not have seen you helping them. But when they start describing where they were, and how God brought them to where they are. They start thinking about what God did in their life in 1, 2, 3, 5, 15, 17, 20 years. And they be like, man, this culture built me. Now y'all know, y'all know up in AWC, lift your hands if I'm telling the truth. Sometimes you just want to come to church and hear somebody say, God is all right. He loves you. He's going to do some amazing things. You would love that, right? But you get that and then also you get, get up off your rusty tail. Get to work. Take responsibility for your own life. God has something he wants to do in your life, but he can't do it in your life if you're sitting down. So you walk to your car, dang, I feel just as heavy now as I did when I went <laughs> Because there's greatness. In you, untapped, undiscovered, God wants to discover it. And now I'm getting past my time. Put all five of them up there. Here are the questions you got to ask, and I'll come back to them. 
Here are the questions that people don't. They don't know they're supposed to ask. They don't know. But here are the five questions in everybody's life. Go ahead, read the first one. What's the first one? Who am I? That's about your identity. Who am I? Next question, read it. Why am I here? That's purpose. And I'm telling you, your neighbor doesn't know this. People around you don't have answers to these questions. Hate me, but stay long enough to know these answers. <laughs> I get love, man. I get crazy love at home. My love is doing the will of God and helping you find out who you are. And now that I'm seeing that in Pastor Josh and the leaders and the, the others who are coming, I'm like, man, we're getting somewhere. We're building something in our leadership team. Third question, where am I from? Fourth question, what can I do? What's my potential? Fifth question, where am I going? When this is all over, where am I going? What is this all about? See, these questions, I was going to teach on them, but I can't. Here's my question to you that you might be asking, how do I come, how do I become all of that? How do I become, how do I find my answers to life's questions? I want to suggest to you, come to AWC. Plug into this house. Now, let me say it like this. How many of you men, you tie your tie without a mirror, right? What happens when you try to tie your tie using the mirror? Why do you mess up? Right? Because you, you, you usually learn by doing it with your fingers and looking down. So when you look at the mirror, it gives you a different view of yourself. Ladies typically put their makeup on in a mirror, right? So they're used to it. But that's why they're used to the makeup in the mirror, but they're not used to gauging how they look in the mirror. So once they look in the mirror and they're dressed up, they find someone to ask, what? What do they ask? How do I look? Do these pants make my butt look big? Do I have any back fat showing through my... It's, this is too much, isn't it? It's too much. I'm sorry. I had a mama, 10 sisters, a wife, and a daughter. So this is just, this is just talk. I grew up around women. Right? What other questions do women ask? Is this dress too short? Hmm. Can you, can, can you tell this is a wig? Because <laughs> if you can't tell... <laughs> do these earrings match let me tell you why men and women when they do certain things in the mirror they can't see themselves because you're not used to looking at yourself in a mirror so at AWC the mirror shows you who you are And that's startling because you get frustrated. Why can't I tie my tie? Well, it's okay. You're just looking at yourself in the mirror and there's so much about you you don't like. And there are other things about you you don't understand about yourself. So all you need is a church, a friend in church. So when you come to church, they said, it's okay. Stay in front of the mirror and tie it because tying your tie in front of the mirror, brother, will teach you things about you. You need a lady in church that you can say, does my butt look too big in this? And she said, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I'm leaving AWC. No, stay for one more week. Stay for one more week because you finally got somebody who loves you enough to tell you 
okay? Y'all not going to like me, but that's okay. I love you. I love you. I love you. I knew, I knew this child. I was traveling. I knew this child. I knew, I knew she would make at least uh, $350,000. I knew she could just with her skill and everything. Boom, Pastor Nell prayed for her. So I'm talking to her. And I said, does anybody talk to you in this church? She said, yeah, I've been going here for years. So I, I said, who's your friend? So I invited her friend up. And I said, have you ever been able to tell her some things she should work on? She said, no, my friend don't like that. And I said to her, you're stuck in a $35,000 a year job because this girl won't tell you to make $350,000 a year. You got to cut them fingernails. They long and curled over. You can't type. People are going to see you in your interview like, okay, like you're lazy. Her friends started crying. I've been wanting to tell her. You need to be in some place when people say, I have helped you discover your dream. Now to get there, you're going to have to do this. That's not going to work. Were you trying to go work, young man? You need to wear a suit. I hate suits. Then hate money too. Because <laughs> to go there, that's what you need to get have on to get in the door. At AWC, we care. We care about you becoming you. Well, I don't want to become me. That mirror scares you. But it's you in the mirror. Stay until you can tell. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Where I'm going today, I need to look like this. I need to feel like this. This is what they need to see when I walk in. Well, I want to wear anything I want. You can do that. But now you're creating layers so people can't see the real you. They're like, well, why? why? And now, by the time the party's over, everybody's drunk and they don't see nobody by then. Ask your neighbor, who are you? I know it's a boring subject. I know I'm not telling you Jesus is coming back and it's going to be good after a while. You have to stop being your own boring subject. You can't move somewhere to find you. The person you is now going to follow you <laughs> wherever you go I get invited all the time to move oh if you was in Atlanta there are millions of people in Atlanta looking for you I said show sure enough show sure enough they looking for me in Atlanta where there are 3 million people like me why would I go without 3 million people like me I want to go somewhere where I'm different where I'm noticed, where I stand out. If I'm a king, I can be a king in the desert. None of that has anything to do with me. Because I know who I am. Dr. Monroe beat it into my head. I know where I'm going. I know what I can do. I'm not close to being there yet. But I know. You need to know. I'm, I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to stop right here. Ambassadors Worship Center exists so that you can understand and pursue your life in the kingdom. So that you can become who you are. You can become who you were. Yes. But to become who you were meant to be, you're eventually gonna have to deal with yourself. Put, put, up, put up my last quote. My, my last quote. I'm going to skip through all this. Read it. 
You will never get what you really want. And now there is a cognitive dissonance. There is a emotional, spiritual, psychological, and physical chasm in millions of people's lives. They cannot understand why they can't get what they want. And it's only because we feed our ego instead of our spirit. And if your life's goal is protecting who you are presently, Well, they're talking about me, so I'm gonna clap back. I'm gonna say something back. I, I need to protect my image. Shoot, I got a thousand followers on Instagram. I gotta make sure they know that I ain't no punk. <laughs> Y'all don't understand this language, I don't either. But this is the stuff I hear people. I'm like, what does that mean? Who are those people following you? Who are you influencing? And my last question is, how much are you getting paid? Well, I'm not getting paid anything. So let me, let me help you, let me, help me understand, because I'm so simple, I get lost in it all. So what you're telling me is, you are living your life in response to people who shouldn't matter and who don't care. Why do we do so much for so many who don't care? It's because you love your ego. You love your persona. And then you start protecting your persona. You start defending your persona. You start defending who you are. You feel like it's worth protecting who you are, what you think, what you believe. And now there is no risen savior that can sit on the throne of your heart. He can't change you. He can't shape you, he can't mold you. He can't turn you into who you're supposed to be. So now you get stuck in life. You're stuck there because you won't let him break your little vessel, grind it to powder and start over. So now he can't become the potter and you're the clay. He can't mold you, he can't make you. He can't tell you, Martin, you got to stay in Nebraska because it's the place that will turn you into what you want. That's for me. You, I mean, people, whatever God's telling you, that was my story. You have to stay here. You have to stay here. And I said to God in that time, I said, but this hurts. I feel like you're killing me. And God said, I am. I feel like you're breaking me. I feel like you're crushing me. It's so dark. How could I ever accomplish what you had placed in my heart here? There's good there's better, there's best. You got a guy who will play in the game and he's okay being good. She's okay being good. Don't want to cause no waves. I'm just in this job. 30, 40, 50 years. I'm just here. I'm making no waves. Trying to mess with nobody. Only no issues. 
then there's better who'll step up and take some chances. Sort of dependent upon what people think and how he or she feels inside. And then there's best. And they, the best athletes, the best businessmen, the best poets, the best preachers, don't care what you think. They're not doing it for you. <laughs> They're doing it because there's something driving them inside. And that's what you need. And that's why you need to be here. At the end of this month, we're offering a 90-day challenge. Put it up. At the end of this month, after this series. After this series, we're doing a challenge called Becoming. 90 days. 90 days of becoming. 90 days of developing habits, 90 days of discovering the kingdom, 90 days of getting those questions asked and answered. Well, I asked them years ago, do it again. Because at every level in your life, things get higher. Things get bigger. Opportunities become more noticeable as you grow in your life.